0: Hi there, and welcome home to the Two Story Podcast. I'm your host, Elena, and today I'll be chatting with the lovely Miss Jen Stoniker. Jen is an agent here at KW Acadiana in Lafayette, Louisiana, and she was awarded our Rookie of the Year Award for 2020. She sold 40 units totaling $8.5 million in her very first year of real estate. She's an incredible woman, and I'm so excited to speak with her about her journey up to this point. Let me give you a little bit of backstory. Jen was born in Lafayette, Louisiana, and graduated from the University of Louisiana with a degree in Child and Family Studies. She then moved to New York City to pursue a dance career, and three years later, came back here. She became a mother and stayed at home, working as a bookkeeper, and could be labeled as an entrepreneur, as she started and sold many successful businesses throughout her time as a quote-unquote stay-at-home mom. When she wanted to pursue more systems in her businesses, she picked up the millionaire real estate agent, and here we are. She decided to begin her real estate career in 2019 and signed on here with us at KW. Today, we're going to be chatting with her about her life and career before and in real estate. I hope you love this episode as much as I love Jen. Let's get started.
1: Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. <laughs> are we started? Yes. This is yeah. it. All right.
0: All right. Um, so today, we're going to talk about your life and your journey before real estate and up to now. Cool. So um, let's start with one of my questions that I'm just curious about. How old were you when you
1: met Wes? 20, baby.
0: <laughs> and how did you two meet?
1: We were actually at a conference that Wes was the MC of, if you can imagine that. He is, for your listeners, If I don't know who, uh, if your listeners know that he is the um, assistant team leader here, so he is no stranger to the um, audience and he loves that and that was where he was thriving when I first met him <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome! and you know who actually introduced us who? Leanne Morrow what yes did you know that she's oh, an agent here of course man. you know um she and Wes went way back and mm-hmm. um and so he started a conversation with her and then the rest is history oh
0: that's awesome I love her She's the best. She, she always calls herself the matchmaker. So now I see where she gets the. Exactly. From. <laughs> yeah, she actually
1: did it professionally when we were all living in New York. Oh, really? Uh-huh. But oh. we were her first. We were her first. Yes.
0: Well, well she had a good first run then. <laughs> she did. And everyone awesome. else
1: got more um, luxurious and fancy. We oh. were we were just the Louisiana couple. Wow. Well. When you're in New York City. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> okay, so when you were that age, mm-hmm. at 20, mm-hmm. what were your dreams and intentions for your
1: life? Oh, wow. Great question. I don't think I had any, and I think that is my constant struggle. Um, like, like literally, I can't even think of a five-year plan. Um, I can't think of a 20-year plan. It's like, I don't know. Whenever I was in college, did not know what I wanted to do. Grad- um, graduate in what I wanted to major in. That's the word major. Um, and I had a free the top scholarship so I mean I was like yeah I'll go I mean you know I just don't know what I'm gonna do so I took one of those assessment tests to tell me what I should do and apparently I didn't like the results because I did not I don't even remember what it was but it did not <laughs> affect my decision. What I ended up majoring in was this experimental biology major because I know this about myself now I just like to do new different interesting things and so in the absence of a real calling, I was like, yeah, let me just go be a biology major. Well, three times struggling through organic chemistry, I was like, yeah, that's not going to be, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be my path. But I didn't know. And actually graduated from college. I became a director with Mary Kay. Um, yeah, I loved sales like it was so fun in fact my very first job was at the buckle in the mall being um, a salesman you work for commission there yes I loved it especially Christmas time it was so busy and like I don't know people wanted my opinion it was great (laughs) (laughs) do these look good I'm like yeah or let's try this That's awesome. It was. It was a good fun. That's awesome.
0: So you ended up graduating in child and family studies. Mm-hmm. What led you to that major as opposed to the experimental biology?
1: Well, after um, and during the organic chemistry uh, semesters, mm-hmm. plural, I um, took a psychology, a child psychology class, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating how children, like, develop and think and grow into their own personalities. I was completely fascinated, and so when I looked into all the different options, it was the only one that I could still graduate on time in four years, Mm -hmm. so that basically made my decision. (laughs) (laughs) And you enjoyed it.
0: You enjoyed the rest of your time. I loved it. Studying that. Mm -hmm. So what from that degree would you say has helped you the most in your current real
1: estate career? Ooh, good question. I'm not sure it has, honestly. Um, I don't think that, I think seeing something to completion has helped me because I know that I can do it. You know, it was kind of a challenge to, um, to figure out what, because I was a psychology major for a brief stint in between the too. <laughs> um, so I think that just knowing that I can do anything, you know, that I put my mind to was huge for me. So, so I don't know, can't really remember the stuff I learned. In fact, I re- I'm still Facebook friends with one of the professors. And I was like, hey, do you have any of those old books? Because like, I just, I want, she sent me some copies of textbooks because I loved it. But uh, they're still on my shelf. Um, <laughs> hashtag no time. But I I love learning, but I can't really think that anything that I learned there has helped me in my real estate career at this point.
0: That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. <laughs> I love that. Um, so tell me about your life in New York City okay. and your dance career. I, I did ballet for eight years when I was young. Stop the press. How did I not know this? Well, I don't talk about it because I was really bad at it. And so it's always like I always wanted to be a dancer. And so to hear about someone that I know in that career, I just want to hear more about it. So why New York City? Why dance? All of those things. Well, let's back up. Career is
1: a very strong word. Okay, back me up. Yeah, back (laughs) it up. Beep beep. (laughs) The the truth is, whenever I approached the end of college, um, Wes and I met two years into college. So he kind of knew that I was going to move somewhere. I told Mm. him like right from actually our very first date. I told him that we were not, that I was not getting married. I was like, oh, I, no interest, <laughs> but I am moving away. So he knew that right then and there. So all the way leading up to graduation, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm not even really sure what you could do with that degree, but I didn't research it fully. Cause it, I just, I had like inside of me, this calling to go do something big, like just to just do something big. Um, and the only thing that I had really had success with in my life was dancing. I was um, I went to a dancing school, you know, all. I took one year off somewhere around sixth grade whenever you rebel against everything and uh, really regretted that decision. Mm. So uh, I went back and, um, you know, was on the dance team in high school. Like dance was the only thing that I really I enjoyed. So I was like, yeah, let me go do that. So I researched, you know, typed up what to do in New York City. for, And I found a, a dance internship at Broadway Dance Center. Oh. So I submitted a little video audition. That was before virtual things were really cool. Right.
0: You sent in a VHS tape, right? Uh, VHS tape, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> I did a good old-fashioned VHS and mailed it in, and, um, and they accepted me. And so uh, Los Angeles was also in the plans. It was like L.A. or New York, but because Wes and I were really dating at that point, um he is the one that was kind of being a history person he was kind of leaning towards new york and i'm and i'm so glad that he did i think our experiences there were i don't think they could have come close yeah, to um la just because of the path that he did when we were there so um so that whenever we got there and i finished the dance internship i started to audition mm-hmm. for um different jobs Um, knowing that I was not a great singer. I actually, before we moved, I went to the director of the music department at UL to get, to to teach me to sing for voice lessons. So i go over there and, you know, we start our first lesson and basically he ends up saying, I can't help you. (gasps) Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I knew I was going to have some trouble, but I'm like, Determined, I think you know that about me. Like, it doesn't I doesn't figure out. So I'll figure out something else if I can't sing. I'll figure. It out. So we get there, and I couldn't sing. Like, I really. I continued to take lessons. People actually took my money there. Um, the guy in Lafayette was like, "No, no, just go." <laughs> he wouldn't even <laughs> accept any payment. He was like, "No, go. But um, but basically, if I did get past the dance call, then they were, there was a singing part, and I told them at the beginning of every one. I was like, I don't sing, I don't sing. And so when they would say sing, they, I mean, they couldn't kick me out fast enough. So to be quite honest, the the, um, the dance career, quote unquote, was True. very short-lived. <laughs> I remember the greatest audition though, it was a chorus line audition. And we were in like, I don't know, let's just say the 14th floor or something high, very very high building with this beautiful wood floor. Um, a bunch of dancers with numbers on their leotards out the window was another brick building and there was like tables in the front with people sitting at them with note with little um, clipboards and pens and it was just like a surreal moment like I think this is all I came to do was experience this because I did actually get past that dance call and um and it was, I think it was just because of the smile on my face, because I was looking at everyone else, and every, I mean, everyone obviously is really, really good. But I made contact with someone, and I just remember just like thoroughly enjoying the experience so much. I honestly think that's why I got past the dance call, and then you know what came next sing. Mm. And so I went back to work at the, uh, I actually had a job at the cafe at Broadway Dance Center. So I went back to work there, and then continued to taking, taking classes and then I went into a job in my field at Kidville. Um, it was a big franchise. It was starting out as a franchise, the beginning of it. Um, but it was more in my field because it was a it was a big childcare center facility awesome. thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So tell me about. This is just out of curiosity. Tell me about your favorite day in New York City when you were living there.
1: Oh, okay. The one that instantly came to mind was this day that West was okay. So Manhattan is an island, of course. Mm-hmm. All the way at the top, the Bronx, is the same patch of land as all the way down at the bottom where we were living in, like, the Liberty, um, Statue of Liberty area, the financial district area. So, Wes says, let's see, let's just walk it one day. Let's just walk the whole island. So, we got on a subway. We went all the way to the tip top of the island, and we spent the whole day walking down Broadway. The whole day. The whole day. It was so fun. It was, was like, literally the sun was setting whenever we got to... um, the Statue of Liberty, and we touched a little rail on the side. It was great. I mean, we stopped and we had lunch. We we um, you know we had drinks. Like all the different cultures that you pass along the way, yeah. it was fascinating to me. So we got little um, different ethnicities of snacks along the way. It was oh, like, that's awesome! It's like traveling the world in one day.
0: Yeah, I love New York City. Um, I have I've been a few times, but I've, I I want to really go and experience it. I feel like I haven't done the people that live there experience. Mm-hmm. I've only been there and, you know, done the
1: touristy things. So we should all go together. Yes. We took the kids a couple of years ago. We thought they'd be very impressed with our different apartments that we lived in. And um, no, they were not.
0: Which but. were very small, as you told me. They <laughs> yes.
1: were very small. Yes. I told you yesterday, the, the house that we're considering purchasing, the master bedroom is bigger than any apartment that we had there. And when we moved from Manhattan, we lived in Queens at first and literally everything was Greek to us. It mm-hmm. was no one spoke English. And as a Cajun, small minded, embarrassing now to look back girl, I was so frustrated because like I guess I was the director with Mary Kay, so I was needed I needed to push my blush. I needed to push my <laughs> eyeshadow and I couldn't speak to anyone and no one could understand me. It was very, very frustrating. Until I realized how ridiculous I was being, how close-minded, like, like English is the only language in the world. Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> grateful for God's, um, you know, just mercy on me and my small mind. Because we ended up meeting the best people. We were invited on Christmas Eve to this big fat Greek Christmas Eve. They literally threw us on the couch, gave us wine, gave us food, and, um, and they would tell these stories in Greek and then someone would relay it and they would laugh they would like burst out into laughter and then someone would relay it in english and then the whole room would erupt again <laughs> and, and, and laughter it was so fun
0: that's awesome
1: so yeah we took them to queens we took them to brooklyn where we, where we lived and then we took them to manhattan where we lived on the um on the 13th floor of what was called the 14th floor because they skipped 13s in elevators oh and that apartment overlooked do. the world trade center that was right that was the summer the year after the um, the World Trade Centers um, fell, and so it, We looked at a big hole. It was like before wow. anything was built, and so we watched memorials and um, and people still going to visit the site and mourning. And it was just really, wow. really good, special experience. Have
0: you been to the new World Trade Center and the the memorial that they have there? We haven't
1: been. We've actually been back twice since we lived there. And neither time have we got in line and paid to go up just because it takes so much of your day right Um, but we've walked around and seen all the names and all the the honorary um, statues and stuff that are on the ground level but Mm -hmm. we haven't gone up to the top yet but I hear it's very worth it
0: oh I haven't been up to the top I've only seen that um, waterfall feature with the names on it Mm -hmm. but even that is just incredible Um, my grandparents took me to New York City when I was 10 and I think it was still ground zero like it was still leveled Oh um and so to go back 10 years later and see it as a as a place and a memorial it just blew my mind it was incredible I I love what they did with it yeah um okay what do we have next Oh, here we go. What do you love most about being a mother?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, Purpose. I think whenever – New York was part of the loneliest time for me, if we're going to be honest, because I was on this quest for discovery, self-discovery, and I was, like, getting nowhere. And looking back, it was great for our marriage because we would get in fights and we were like, I'm going to the stairwell, you know, like there was nowhere else to go. Oh, yeah, it was it was great for our marriage. But but Wesley was a teacher in Brooklyn. So he had this whole cohort of passionate people that were he was a school teacher there. And so they started this um, new charter school called School for the Human Rights. And so they were just like feeding off of each other. It just was so great to see um, people work together in service, which is what they were doing. And I was just like walking around by myself, like, "What do you want from me, God? Like, what is my purpose?" And I would—I read every self-help book in the cafe of Barnes and Nobles that there is, because <laughs> we were broke. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a library. It's yeah, essentially it, a library. It's essentially a library. Yes. Um, yeah. I would go. I would go there to um, to the Barnes and Nobles, and I was just like walking around, searching. It was so lonely. So but also great because honestly I didn't know very much different this was the beginning of my adulthood you know my um I graduated we got married at 22 so when I was 22 so it was it was obviously a lot of self-discovery there but it wasn't till like we moved back and we had our firstborn, Evie that I knew what I was called to be mm-hmm. like I from and it was hard it was like she cried 24 hours day. she had colic so bad oh yeah we didn't realize that we could take her to the chiropractor till several months in so she was miserable we were both miserable it was and at the same time it was like there's nothing different that I wanted to do like I had the purpose that I had been searching for those past years in that moment I just knew it that's what I'm called to be that's incredible and, I and yeah I wanted to give her back though that was the weirdest thing I was like how can I love someone so much and not want to be with them
0: not want to be around them sometimes <laughs> just com- don't want
1: it she's completely redeemed herself though
0: she's great I love all your kids they're my favorite little
1: people oh, thank you I love them too they are, they're oh, they're awesome. my world
0: I love that um so in terms of motherhood and business owning and business building and having assistants and hiring assistants and all those things how do you keep Lance likes to use this phrase keep all the plates spinning how do you how do you keep it all together is one of the questions that i had and so i would I want to pass it off to you. How do you keep it all together? If
1: you do, and if you don't, that's okay too. Oh yeah, um, plates. I mean, if we can go back to our Greek family there in New York, they crashed <laughs> all the time. Uh, they do crash, and and I think that that is part of it. I think balance in general, the idea of it, is mythical. Like I don't think it's possible. Um, if we can go back to our uh, our ballet roots, you, Elena. Yes. And I. Um, <laughs> If you look at a ballerina on her point shoes, if you look at her feet real good, it's constant quivering, it's constant moving, because if if it wasn't, then you would fall over to one side. I think that that's what it is. And the focus of your priorities um, makes a big difference, you know, like I can, and I often do, get directed by the people around me that are the loudest, and that's my biggest challenge. Whenever transactions go awry, um, you know I have I have I have developed some good boundaries about after work time. Like I love picking up the kids from school at three. It's like my favorite thing to do. In fact, they wanted to go to aftercare. Today. I was like, oh, fine, <laughs> like sure. Um, but I but I enjoy it because it's when they can tell me about their day, and then and and I like to do homework. I like to take them to you know a head kicks. But um, but some days there's like things that I have a message you know if it's an emergency type urgent you know in the text and I get urgent a lot and those and so that's the real deal issue is that um, making people in your life know that they're important but keeping the priorities most important you know Mm -hmm. Um, because as you know when you say yes to one thing you're saying no to a bunch of other things. Sweet Louie's face last week we were um, outside of head kicks in the grass and a deal was literally falling apart and, and a agent was calling me, the buyers were calling me and Lou and I'm like, obviously must have had stress on my face. I'm not sure. And he's trying to talk to me because he does that 24 hours a day. Of course. Yes. And his sweet little voice. And he's like, ma focus. I was like, Oh my goodness. And then some sweet realtors here, um, at our, our, um, breakfast that we do um, mm-hmm. every couple of weeks. Tiffany Pellerin and Don Foreman, they were like, this is what, this is how they learn. You know, the, the, you reacting to situations, how you react to them, how you talk to people on the phone, um, how you handle stress, this is all learning for them. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. So even in my own, even though I know what balance is, I get it twisted because I can't just be kids in the afternoon. Sometimes I mean that's not balanced. I would my business would fall over. I can't just be just business twenty four hours a day. My the kids side of me would fall over. Right. So it's um it, it was and that's what I love most about this place because people there is no one that's going through something that someone else has not gone through before. You yeah, know?
0: you're not going through anything alone here. Everyone, no. everyone gets it. You're
1: not going through anything alone. Or new, You know, like someone else has experienced this and this is how. And not that their solution is the way that you have to do it, but a different perspective of it is so refreshing. So when Dawn and Tiff said, they need to hear you do that, I thought of um, generations past where the whole family worked on the farm. You know, the baby was in the papoose and the, um, the children were picking whatever veggie you pick in on forms and um and there everyone was working together and they learned hard work they're learning hard work for me and from Wes uh, I think that it's, it's especially during quarantine uh, whenever the world couldn't stop for us and we had to go 90 to nothing they learned what it's like to be scared and be unsure and do life anyway mm-hmm. so I, I think that this job is a humongous blessing and my biggest challenge is keeping my priorities in line.
0: Right. So that reminds me of one of our bold laws. You teach people how to treat you, right? And so how in your last, what is it, a year and a half now? Two years. Almost two years. You signed on yeah. oh, in yeah, May. In May. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Time
1: flies, it huh? It does huh? fly. Like really, literally. Wow. <laughs> right.
0: So how in the past two years have you learn to set boundaries with your clients, teach people how to treat you, and, you know, essentially create that line of work versus life. Where do you set the line
1: of who can call when? Um, Well, anybody can call anytime. Like, honestly, I do feel that way. Whether I can answer at the moment is up for debate Mm -hmm. just depending on the circumstances but I'm learning through trial and error Um, I don't want anyone to feel like because purchasing a home is very very stressful it's very intimate and the things that my clients go through I can't just pass them off to somebody else because the other person doesn't know all the intricate details of it And um, I mean, I have several right now that are just highly emotional, personal um, transactions. But I mean, if I'm gonna be honest, I think they all are because it's scary to do something new. Uh, um, It's a purchase is scary. I mean, I mean, for so many reasons, it's a very emotional decision. So I don't want ever anyone to feel like they can't reach out to me or can't call me. And I also don't want, you know, my uh, children to think that they're less important than my clients are. So um, communication has been really, um, in fact, that's what my auto text says. Hey, I'm, I'm doing homework with I'm with the kids right now. We're doing homework. I'm just picking them up from school. But if this is an emergency, type urgent. So, um, so I want them to be able to have that option. So that's part of
0: your system for boundaries is to set an auto text mm-hmm. at whatever time that you're ready to mm-hmm. step away and mm-hmm spend time with your kids correct my auto text
1: is from three in the afternoon to eight in the afternoon and I check it um, a couple times during the middle of there just to see if anybody said urgent um and at eight o'clock I have every night no less than 50 texts it is incredible and every time I look at it I'm like wow I mean like the blessing of it is I can't it's unfathomable um, and at the same time, it's important for. If I didn't do that, it would be non-stop because I got a text at five o'clock in the morning from somebody about business. Like, if I didn't set these boundaries, then it would be constant, non-stop. And if we're gonna be really honest, the hardest part is that I really like it. Like, I really like when my phone dings. I'm like Pavlov's. Is it dog? Pavlov's dog like just <laughs> <laughs> Who needs me? Like, is it a client? Is it a referral? Um, you know, like I like solving problems because it feels this desire in me to be needed, you know, mm-hmm. and to have a purpose, mm-hmm. and um, and and that seems selfish sometimes because there's other people that just aren't as loud and they don't, you know, they uh, they they also need me. So, did I answer your question, Elena? Mm-hmm. It did. sure did. <laughs> i do have it. a follow-up question okay so yeah.
0: where do you i i not struggle with this but it is a part of me that i've learned through the last few years um what what part of your life or what do you think feed, feeds into is has a negative connotation it's not how i intend for it to sound what do you think feeds into that need to be needed
1: i think every human has a need to be needed don't you i do i
0: I especially have a need to be needed so to hear someone else say it i always want to dig a little bit deeper and Mm -hmm. see maybe where that Mm -hmm. came from or what point in your life or what part of your life Mm -hmm. led to you thinking the most that that's where that came from for
1: you i i think the reason is different for everyone yes possibly um I never really thought of this question before. I think community, though, just being surrounded by other people is who is what we were created for, mm-hmm. you know, like Adam and Eve in the garden. It wasn't just Adam. There was an Eve. And then, um, and then even Jesus in the agony in the garden and his like, you know, he's struggling, nervous about the next day, realizing it's something that he has to do to sacrifice for us, he he didn't, he didn't even, God didn't even require him to be alone. He sent an angel to come and support him and comfort him. So I think it's innate in us, like in our creation to be there for each other. Um, but I do think that we live in a world that we're so busy and inundated with so much noise that we can get almost, distracted from that and not think that we are needed you know because there's so many options for distraction you know mm-hmm. tv and our cell phones and and video games and work you know like we just we like to stay busy and whenever you're real real, real busy you can't l- you really pay attention to the people around you that need you and that would um, benefit from your community so I'm not sure where my my desire to be needed started from but when Evie was born I think that's when it really hit me that I was created for not just myself and that's a shame because it should have been at my wedding day obviously (laughs) Um.
0: Wesley turn it on mute put it on mute (laughs) mute Wesley. this isn't for you
1: (laughs) but no that one seemed more mutual you know like whenever we were married I needed him he needed me um it was such a selfless kind of love with Evie. Like she was giving me nothing in return um, in human standards, like from what, I mean, she was crying so needy. needy. I was afraid to even sleep because I didn't know like first time mom things. Like I never really was a babysitter. I'm not really like a maternal kind of person. So I didn't have any experience with that. I was like, if you go to sleep and they're sleeping, how do you know if they need you? Like I was a (laughs) mess. So it just was like this raw kind of, she needs me. She needs me. And I am getting, you know, essentially nothing in return, but I was getting everything in return. That's just, you know, it's just the the irony of of the situation.
0: I love that positive spin on the need to be needed because I've always thought of it as a negative, you know, me to feel like I need to be needed. That's a, that's a part of me that's broken. And so I appreciate the positive outlook on it. it to, to know that other people feel that way. And feel it in a positive way is
1: I love that. super helpful knowing you and how empathetic you are and how um generous you are to the people that come in your path it's almost maybe and I don't know the purpose but it, it's almost like that brokenness so to speak is what fuels you to be so much better for everyone else because of your experience with it I love the analogy of a broken um light that um if you are a vase you know that you glue back mm-hmm. together If it didn't have all those broken pieces, the light couldn't shine through it. It would be solid Mm -hmm. ceramic, and it would be dark. But because of our brokenness, we're able to shine through. That is so you, 100%. Mm Oh,
0: Jen, that's so sweet.
1: That's so true.
0: I love that. There's like a – I I think it's in like – I could be totally botching this, but I think in in Asian culture, when a piece breaks, they put it back together with gold piping. And so the – The broken part of it is highlighted Highlighted. with gold paint. And so that, when you started saying that, that was what came to my mind is, you know, when you put something back together, highlight it because it's a beautiful piece of you now.
1: That's amazing. That's pure gold. You're pure gold. (laughs) You're pure gold.
0: (laughs) Um, So speaking of being needed, tell me about your very first client. Oh, no names, I don't think, okay. just for privacy reasons. But okay. tell me, tell me about that experience because everyone has a first client, right? Yes. Tell me how you found them, how the experience went, and you know, what the what your first closing was like.
1: Well, our, my first two clients kind of all happened at the same time. They were both buyers, and they came from our sphere. Um, mm-hmm. And so one of them is, I'll put Wes's nephew in quotes because they're not really. <laughs> family but they've been in Wes's life forever and ever and therefore so in my life so he was buying his first house and we're actually about to put it on the market because this market is so fantastic he oh, bought it two wow. years ago and he's about to um make bank and um the other one is some boy scout uh, when oliver was in boy scout parents of them that just knew actually ran into them at one of the movies in park park international mm-hmm. And told them what I was doing, and they were like, "Oh, well, we're looking to buy a house soon." So hooked them up with a lender, and then yeah, so they were they happened at the same time. They were my first two, and Leanne teamed up with me for um, for one of them because it was kind of like you know all new, and we wanted to do it together. So um, so those were those were my first two buyers. My first seller was so exciting because it was um, a for sale by owner majority of them were for sale by owners in my first year and Tiffany Pellerin came with me to every single audition well I call them auditions but they were really just (laughs) interviews or listening appointments right your auditions (laughs) yeah so I got dressed up in like a a nice dress got put heels on I had my little presentation on the powerpoint thingy on my ipad and I'm we're sitting at the table and Tiff is so patient she didn't laugh at me one time so I'm going through my presentation and then I'm doing all just basically reading the script that I learned. And and then I was done, and I was like, okay, so do you have any questions? And then she asked one. I didn't know the answer to her question. (laughs) I didn't know anything after that. I was so (laughs) grateful that Tiffany was there with me because she – took over from there it it was amazing it was a great experience and we got that listing wow. we got the next you know the the next few listings um together as my mentor it was great fun wow so tell me
0: about Fizbos. what was your essentially what was your script when you would call them what would you say and what part of it do you think kind of closed the deal in the appointment for you
1: oh you put me on the spot because I haven't called a FISBO probably in four months I could have said it off the top of my head I went through several scripts um in practice and on real life for subway owner clients and it wasn't probably till like the 10th or so one that I felt comfortable with it and Mm -hmm. then I didn't change it from there and every time I did get comfortable I and and kind of like winged it and you know did my did my thing because I'm I'm confident and I've got a bunch of physical listings I botched it every single time I got confident in it (laughs) I have to open up my little cheesy plastic binder. You should see it. It's like really cheesy. It was one that Evie had not wanted anymore because she's thirteen. So all of my scripts are in there. And if I didn't have that thing open in front of me and read straight from it, I would not get the list. I would not get the appointment. Really? Yes.
0: Wow. Yes, because
1: I know me, and I know why I'm good at doing it. But they don't know me. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a there's a there's a reason that scripts work and there's a reason why you stick to them yeah, no matter right. what ex, what kind of success you have in the past you got to stick to it so I don't remember I don't remember what it said but it did give me an appointment I'm so sorry I, I'm like totally blanking but it did give me appointments but one time oh my gosh speaking of Tiffany she was we she wasn't my mentor anymore but she was teaching her group of mentorees that maybe five or six or so Um, on the importance of getting out of your comfort zone and doing this. Now, my my uncomfort zone is my sphere calls. I think Mm -hmm. because of my Mary Kay days, it's been very hard for me to call and ask my family if they know anybody for some reason that's just the block that I have it's completely unfounded it doesn't make any sense and I'm working on getting past it but cold calls were way way easier and some people struggle with the opposite and this group was and so Tiffany was like she texts me I'm making my phone call my legion time and she texts me she's like hey I'm bringing some um mentors up or mentees I don't know what you call them mentos I don't know mentos I want to call them mentos <laughs> they won't let me they won't let me. <laughs> well, I think we should let's change it Um, And so I was like, okay. So she comes into my office at the old building and they sit on the floor and I'm just making phone calls. And the worst case scenario happens. I don't make script calls in front of people because I was afraid of basically this kind of thing. The guy on the phone says, are you reading from a script? I was like, "Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And he was like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, I was just curious. I'm like, Okay, and then I was, and then I got the appointment right after that. Wow! I was like, literally, <laughs> the worst thing can happen in front of a group of people, and still you don't die, and you still get appointments.
0: Well, did you get the listing? I
1: did not get the listing. Oh, no. oh, wow! Well, you tried. That's I did. All that matters. Oh, you my. did. You did your best. I did. My convert. I go on a lot more appointments than listings I get, so that was still a success. What would you say your conversion rate is? For every 20 phone calls, I get one appointment, and for every three appointments, I get one listing. Wow. That, was, that was my conversion rate as of four months ago but like I said I wasn't I'm not having um, success with for subway owners lately mm-hmm. it's market right. crazy market right so uh, my maps coach Anne said that just she's like we need to go a different route so we've we, so we've switched to a different route now oh awesome mm-hmm. do you mind sharing what that route is do you work your sphere do you yep yep um, social media and my sphere yes I have um, started a YouTube channel called Coffee and Contracts, oh, where I interview nice. um, professionals in our field, like Kevin from National Foundation, yeah. such a wonderful teacher. Wow. Um, Larry from the termite company I use, Eagle Pest Control. Um, Molly from House Dressings, like everyone that contributes to, the, to my success and to the success of my buyers and sellers, I interview. Um, we had a great pool inspection the other day, uh, Yes, yeah, two days ago. And, um, and so, Kyle from the the pool guy said that he would be my next one. I'm pumped about it. Oh, so, I think pumped. As, I'm pumped. Get it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you... What's that? how you do that sound? Ba-dooms. Yes, that's
1: it. <laughs> You're so funny. You're really creative. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited about it. And I think I, as presenting myself as an industry professional, people take me more seriously because mm. I was a lot of things. I was a homeschool mom. I was a quote-unquote dancer. Like, I was... <laughs> A direct I was a you know, a multi level marketing person. So to come out as a real estate professional now was it was it took some time. And that's still what I'm working on.
0: Well, you know. If you're not working on yourself every day, there's what no progress. Doing? Right. No progress. <laughs>
1: what are you doing with yours?
0: <laughs> Let's see, what do we have next? Okay, uh, this goes back to an original question that I had for you, but I'm going to read this script that I have here and see if we get anything different from it. Okay. What do you think most helps you achieve balance between all of the plates that you're spinning? And give me an example of a time you felt you weren't in balance and how you kept pushing through it. Mm,
1: that's a very good. That's a very good question. Most recently, um, you know, I've had, I've had the humongous blessing of winning the rookie of the year award yes and I came into a quite a conundrum because no longer was I motivated by that why Mm. and so then I'm like well what is important to me I what do I love most well I do really love hanging with my kids and so my my time and my attention and you know we went on vacation and it was really hard for me to get my mind around work again I am driven by challenges I'm 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 driven by um doing something that I that I or maybe anybody else doesn't think I can do and so in the absence of that like what award you know what goal what you know um I was really at a loss, and so it, the unbalance was definitely more family-heavy, more free time-heavy, mm. more um, more lack of schedule, lack of time blocking, and uh, and it was real hard to get that back. And I wasn't very satisfied, like I, I'm like with life and with myself. I think that because the idea of balance is so exhausting sounding Mm -hmm. because there's no rest in that right there is so much freedom and so much comfort in um in a schedule and and if you were to look at a successful person's schedule um not mine at the moment because I I mean I'm working on it but like if you like a high producing successful executive that has great balance I am sure that they have a schedule full of family time personal time, leisure time, work time, like it's all in there because we're not just single um, organisms. You know, there's so much, many different components to that make up us body, mind, heart, soul. You know, we're, we're, we're so multifaceted. Mm. So to, to be heavy on one side without the balance, I don't think that that's what happiness is.
0: Right. Um, Part of what Lance has been trying to teach me because I feel like I struggle with my work-life balance a lot um, is, you know, in the one thing they speak about balance and there's a line, right, that everybody thinks is supposed to be balance where you're working and having personal time in the same space and A lot of it looks like a zigzag line you know Mm -hmm. your your actual real work-life balance looks like this zigzag line over the balance line Mm -hmm. and so you know you go a little too far over into the work side and so you bring it back to equilibrium and then maybe you spend a little bit more personal time and Mm -hmm. take the time to get that feeling of Mm -hmm. success in your personal life back and then you kind of waver over to equilibrium again and start working harder and work 45 hours a week and then you come back to the middle and then i I mean i struggled with that a lot before um my injury of you know i was waking up at six in the morning doing yoga going to work going to jujitsu getting home at 9 p.m willie was already in bed I had to, you know, take care of my house, you know, do laundry, do the dishes, all that stuff. And then I'm in bed Mm -hmm. and I, what have I done with my day? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so learning that balance of, okay, it's okay to take a day off from jujitsu. It's okay to not go and hang out with your friends on the weekend and take time for yourself. That's Mm -hmm. a, there's a learning curve to that. And Mm -hmm. I feel if you're any age, whether you're you know, a mother or married or what? You know, like everyone's trying to figure that balance out, and so
1: absolutely. Um, and that's why coaches, counselors, mentors, leaders, um, every you know, people that if you're coachable and if you're open to hearing wisdom from other people, like you just said, Lance was for you. Um, it's so it's so helpful because they can kind of see outside. You know, when you're living in it, when you're in the moment. Mm -hmm. You can't see how far off of that center line you've gotten. And you may not even know where you want to go next. Speaking it out, journaling has been huge for me. I've got to start journaling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So don't think that you have to say something profound. You know, like I I feel like sometimes we get caught up in I have to write a book. Nobody's going to read it. Like, oh, my gosh. If anybody read my journal, I would die. <laughs> I would die because they don't make any sense. They Sometimes they're frustrated. Sometimes they're confusing. Sometimes they're not even reality. But even just writing it down, you look at it and you're like, for real? I mean, no. You know, like you can talk. Right. You can um, understand yourself more clearly. Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, I've been speaking with a counselor uh, weekly and now biweekly because, you know, I'm back to normal now. (laughs) Um, And a lot of the things that I say, I find myself rationalizing. You know, like, okay, this is the crazy thought that I had. Now that I have it out of my head, let me rationalize it. Because I've been thinking it and, like, circulating it through Mm -hmm. my head all day. Mm -hmm. And now let me get it out in front of this person who's a professional Mm -hmm. and then rationalize my way through it. And so I find that journaling is... Very similar, mm-hmm. similar, mm-hmm. right? So, I ordered the Miracle Morning yesterday. It comes in on Monday. I'm gonna read it, and instead of you know doing exercises like I would normally do in the morning, I'm
1: gonna do that. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. I'm I'm on my very first week of waking up early. Yeah, so hard. It's so hard. It, it used to be so great for me, and then life happened, and then I wake up. We uh, Wes and I pray together at 5:30 in the morning. So I would wake up. Ru- well, no five. 5.15, really, because he gets the head kicks at 5.30. I will wake up basically right before that. Mm-hmm. I would just pray half asleep and then go back to sleep. <laughs> and, um, and so I was exercising like twice a week. This is the first week that I woke up at 4.15. I exercise first, then he wakes up. I mean, I'm all sweaty for our prayer time, but then I have journaling time, reading time after he goes. and You know, like it's, Yeah. I really pray for the strength and courage to continue this because I feel a much more amazing. This week than I have been in the past. 4:15
0: is very early. Early for me is <laughs> 6:15. So to hear that you're getting up at 4:15 every day is I've I don't envy you, and I'm
1: kind of jealous that no, you have I the have wherewithal. But you to really early.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. My kids are asleep at
1: 8:30. So well, 7:30, 7, 8. So I'm 8:30. If I'm not in bed at 8:30 then it's not going to work out the next day. It's
0: just not. You sound like Willie. At 9 o'clock, he's like, all right, I'm going to bed. Please don't talk to me because if you do, I'm not going to be able to get up in the morning. Exactly. Yep, totally get it. Okay, so let's finish this out. This is the question that I've been um, waiting to ask you this entire time. I'm very excited. Okay, so what are your dreams and intentions for your life going forward?
1: Oh, man, hardest question in the whole entire universe. (laughs) I have no idea. If I'm going to be honest, my why is my biggest struggle and the vision that is, gosh, missing. I have these crazy ideas, and I think that that's what is my biggest gift and also my biggest distraction because I'm not sure exactly what it is that I really want to do. I have dreams of... Um, going to an orphanage like and 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 taking home babies and you know traveling a lot more a really five-year goal is once a vacation home like on a a mountain a snowy mountain because I do love to snow but like one a week is probably in like snow ski I mean snow ski okay
0: okay I don't actually produce (laughs) snow (laughs) it's like chin's precipitating (laughs)
1: I am, but that's more from nervousness. (laughs) nervousness. (laughs) I would love, I love to snow ski, but but really I would want to spend the summers there. I don't want, if I had a choice to live in Louisiana in the summers for the rest of my life. So that's like a major goal of mine. But I can honestly see myself doing this real estate, um, work-life balance life forever. I absolutely love it. Super, duper fun. I love that you're here
0: with us. That's, Thank I've you. I've read over a script that I am putting before this over and over last night. I was sitting in here at 8:30 p.m. just reading it over and over. And at one point, I said in it, and I didn't keep this copy of it, but I said one of the best days of my life was the day that Jen Stoniker signed on at KW because I get to see her every single day. Oh my god! And I get to best. be in business with you. I love your beautiful so. heart. Aww. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that was of a course. Gift of yours. It's um, it's really cool to see you grow into this rookie of the year position and be a top producer in your first two years here at KW and know that you're also spinning other plates. You know, you're a mother of four, which is incredible. Uh, you know, you are a business owner. You have an employee now, and you you go to head kicks, which is crazy cool I love that I get to see you there now too Um, it's it's inspiring for me as a single quote-unquote person that is yet to have children but also has those dreams for herself to see it played out in what feels to me like my ideal life you know like Mm -hmm. I want to I want to be like you when I grow up so it's really cool to see you be successful and grow in this and know that you're honest and open to saying, "Hey, like I'm not always in balance and that's okay." Um I think that that part of you can minister to many of our agents here and that's part of my purpose for this is to show other agents, "Hey, like it's not always perfect and being a top producer isn't always glamorous and fun there's hard work and there's blood sweat and tears in it and I really appreciate you coming and being honest with me today
1: thank you my pleasure and I give all glory to God because this this journey I definitely cannot do alone <laughs> it would not be nearly as exciting or fruitful that's and awesome. thank you for inviting me to of sit course, here with you and go down course. memory lane and yes think about my uh, I really enjoyed travels. learning more about you today oh, thanks Elena that's awesome
0: um well i will have to have you back because i have more questions i'm sure i'm gonna think of more once i leave this room but um again thanks for coming on today and do you have anything else that you want to add any questions for me i don't know i i just finished a bunch of interviews so every time i finish asking people a bunch of questions i'm like any questions for me but that's not what the purpose of this is so um is there anything you want to plug?
1: I know you said you have Coffee and Contracts, which is on YouTube. Yeah, that's right? my uh, realtor station. Um, we also do live and locals where we feature small businesses. So I have a few different channels on my station. Um, but mostly I just want to choose – I want to plug to choose joy because in life we have so many choices, and, um, and, and joy is always a choice. It has to be a choice. It's not anything that's just going to be given to us because if you look on the – wrong side of the bed if you choose to focus on the negative you'll never get it so that would be my plug choose joy
0: oh you're my favorite
1: (laughs) i love you elena
0: thank you so much for having me of course of course thank you okay you're welcome bye (laughs) do you say bye at the end of the podcast i don't know (laughs)